Good afternoon, everyone. This is Thursday's Constitution segment. I'm constitutional attorney Catherine Henry, and I'm coming to you live now to give you this week's Constitution segment. Hopefully this is just a review and that you were able to watch our live uh, episode of Restore Freedom Weekly on Tuesday at noon this week. But whether this is just a review of what you heard on Tuesday or whether this is something totally new to you, uh, I wanted to make sure to give you some information on the Constitution, uh, the U.S., the state of Michigan, and the state of Florida constitutions. Again, if you live in another state, I still ask you to follow along because you most often will have a similar provision in your own state constitution that you'll be able to find that does the same thing. So this week we had, uh, well, I would consider a lively discussion regarding what is a law. Why would it be lively? Well, uh, for at least two years. I mean, those of you who have been fighting the freedom fight for much longer than that, I recognize that uh, we've been fighting this for much longer than two years. But for most people, they have seen this government overreach and all of these crazy things happening uh, for the last two years. It's been highlighted. It's been out in the open and obvious uh, with these government officials being unashamed of their blatant disregard for the Constitution in the last two years, more than any other time in our history. So um, this week's topic in uh, the Restore Freedom Weekly episode covering what is a law was uh, very important to me because of what we've heard, especially in the last two years. We've heard, oh, executive orders are a law, uh, mask mandates by the governor or the Department of Health and Human Services is a, it's a law. You have to follow it. Or, um, oh, you know, TSA or the FAA or whomever uh, has issued uh, these kinds of regulations and, and suggestions and, you know, but it's a law. It's a federal law that you have to, you know, wear a mask here and there. Um, you know, president issues um, an executive order or puts into place a policy or, you know, mandate. Uh, oh, it's a law. That's what we've been told for two years straight. All of these things are laws. Uh, we've even seen the United States Supreme Court and um, oftentimes in, in almost every state, there's been challenges that have made it to the state Supreme Courts where decisions that are made by those high courts are, you know, looked upon and talked about as law. Well, it's case law now. It's the law of the land. Um, we have a variety of different governmental agencies that have been issuing administrative rules and regulations that have been termed laws uh, by the courts, uh, by mainstream media. And uh, so it's super important to understand not only what the law is, uh, but what it's not, and what, um, what is the authority for that? Why am I calling certain things laws and, and not calling other things laws? So. Today, um, uh, first of all, I'm going to say uh, hi to those of you that are on YouTube uh, commenting, and thank you for the compliment. Um, it's nice to see you joining me this afternoon. Um, what I want to do is bring you first to the U.S. Constitution, of course, because 
Well, as uh, this segment points out, it's the supreme law of the land. So the uh, Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution, that second segment there, says that in no uncertain terms, this, meaning the U.S. Constitution, and the laws passed in pursuance thereof, so constitutionally passed federal statutes, um, are the supreme law of the land. And it, that segment continues by telling us that there's nothing in a state law or a state constitution that is allowed to contradict the U.S. Constitution or constitutionally enacted federal statutes. Uh, what's next uh, that's very important for us to realize, things that I had seen as elementary, you know, um, that we'd all been taught about even in elementary school. In fact, um, when I was last working in an elementary school, they were talking about some of these very concepts uh, from time to time. But uh, the legislative power seems simple enough, but legislative power. And if you were following along with our um, ways to get involved from yesterday, as well as from the video of the week, uh, getting that hard copy of the Black's Law Dictionary unabridged was uh, one of the, uh, uh, well, was the way that I have for you to get involved this week. It was my challenge to you on how to get involved because um, uh, I think it's super important that we're all on the same page when we're talking about certain legal terms. So why this dictionary? Because, uh, because I've had it for almost 20 years and I want to get my use out of it. No, because it is the one that is most commonly cited and referenced by every single state Supreme Court and the U.S. Supreme Court and has been for many, many years. So there is case law, uh, uh, air quotes for those of you not watching the video, um, that says Black's Law Dictionary is the one to be referenced and utilized and counted on if the justices in a particular case think that they need to look to it for extra guidance and what a term is. So what is the legislative power? Well, Black's Law Dictionary tells us it's constitutional law. Uh, okay, great. Uh, it is the power to make laws and to alter them. A legislative body's exclusive exclusive authority to make, amend, and repeal laws. So, uh, and it continues to describe more and more, obviously, why uh, it belongs to the legislative branch, which in federal terms is Congress. In state terms, that is your state legislature. Uh, so, what it doesn't tell you is that, uh, specifically in that section, uh, is that in local terms, that means your county commission or your city commission or city council or your township board, uh, depending on what it's called in your area. And um, those would also be your legislative bodies as well. So uh, the U.S. Constitution Article 1 is your <clears throat> uh, where it talks about legislative power and who has that. We just went over that. Uh, if you want the same provisions of the Michigan and Florida constitutions, the Michigan Constitution has that in uh, Article 4, Section 1, and the Florida Constitution has it in Article 3, Section 1. Also important to note, the separation of powers 
clause. Now, I will tell you that the U.S. Constitution doesn't spell out word for word separation of powers because by separating in Article 1, 2, and 3 that the powers are belonging to different branches, it seems that you could only go, duh, there's a separation there. They literally separated them by different articles. But nonetheless, uh, the, the case law, there I go with that uh, air quote again, is um, talking about it in terms of a doctrine, okay? Now, when you go to your state constitution, uh, at least I can tell you with the Michigan and Florida state constitutions, it is not a doctrine. And in fact, I may be writing another amicus brief on um, the next few days or so. I don't know. I'll see where God leads me. Uh, on a case where Dana Nessel is at it again, the Michigan Attorney General, and she is trying to get the um, Michigan Supreme Court decision from October 2nd, 2020, of which I was a part in, um, in briefing and oral argument to get us to that point. But she's trying to argue that that whole decision should be overturned and that there's too much emphasis put on this separation of powers doctrine, as she calls it, because she can't read the actual language of the Constitution. So without further ado, I just want to point you to the separation of powers clause, the actual language in the state Constitution. In Michigan, it's Article 3, Section 2. And in Florida, it's Article 2, Section 3. So please make sure to give those a look. It's not very long. The Florida State Constitution is only two sentences, I believe. Uh, the Michigan one is broken down into two sentences, similarly saying basically the same things. You cannot be in one branch of government and exercise the powers that belong to another branch of government. Uh, also, the state constitutions have specific requirements for passing laws. Uh, Florida State Constitution, if you wanted to look at those, I'd like you to check out Article 3, Section 6, 7, 8, and 9 to start with. Michigan Constitution is Article 4. Why? Because laws are drafted by oh, the legislature, which is Article 4 of the Michigan State Constitution. And take a peek at Sections 22 through 27, and you'll see all the requirements uh, all the main requirements of when you think of what is needed when you want to pass a bill into a law. What is needed when you want to create a new law in the state of Michigan or like we referenced the state of Florida. Both of those state constitutions and like many other state constitutions also reference uh, different parts of um, like the local government and your local laws. So specifically Florida Constitution, Article 8, dealing with the local governments, Section 1 and Section 6 is talking about specifically local laws and county ordinances. It's talking about violation of ordinances. And uh, in the uh, Michigan Constitution, it's Article 7. And if you look at Section 2 and Section 22, now I'm going to tell you, I didn't quite... Uh, pause enough on those sections of the Michigan Constitution when I was going through the longer video on Tuesday. So I'm going to repeat that one more time. The Michigan sections um, are Michigan Constitution Article 7, Section 2, and Section 22 that specifically talk about local uh, and municipal governments, your county government, your city or village government, as it's mentioned in the uh, Michigan State Constitution. Um, Specifically, it's talking about the ability to um, have a county charter, which is akin to a constitution. 
and uh, resolutions and ordinances, okay? Again, with the city, section 22, cities and villages can have a county, excuse me, a city or village charter, which is akin to a constitution, and resolutions and ordinances. Now, does it mean that resolutions and ordinances are all laws? No, what it's saying is they're allowed to pass those. It's giving them the authority to pass resolutions and laws per the charter that has been enacted. But if you look at what charters, um, excuse me, what um, ordinances and resolutions are, you will see that resolutions are not laws. Uh, the Black's Law Dictionary actually lets us down a little bit in this regard because it's not very clear. We're going to start with the, um, uh, let's see here, the term um, ordinance in the Black's Law Dictionary. But you can see that it says if you have that already. Otherwise, uh, this is one of those great pieces of information that you will have once you do get your copy, hopefully used in good condition. That will last you a long time, but uh, not giving that the big bucks over to those publishers that make way too much money on this stuff. Uh, but an authoritative law or decree, a municipal regulation, it is literally called a municipal regulation, an ordinance. Municipal governments can pass ordinances on matters that the state government allows to be regulated at the local level. And then it goes into the fact that these can be administrative in nature, where it's just uh, making rules or requirements uh, that have the force of law uh, that basically are just regulating how the, the, the county or state or local or not state, but county or local government is going to function amongst itself. Uh, but also it talks about uh, that they may be used to control the conduct of the public in a certain regard. So you might have, uh, you know, specific provisions on how you're getting uh, permits uh, related to um, building new buildings or something of that nature. And that's a whole new discussion. I'm not saying I agree with uh, the fact that local governments require permits for 300,000 types of things. And it's uh, totally uh, a mess with regard to figuring out how to easily go about that process uh, from community to community. And uh, most communities don't even do it properly according to state law, but that's a whole nother topic for another day. So my point is ordinances are expressly recognized as municipal regulations by Black's Law Dictionary. But if you go to the definition of resolution, it's talking about parliamentary law. Okay, so if you're thinking about it in terms of, it's also giving you, you know, corporate or shareholder resolutions, or uh, like I said, parliamentary law. If you look at it from the term, uh, in terms of um, a parliamentary style of government, then you have those different types of resolutions, uh, most of which, it literally says though, do not have the force of law. Only one type does it say, even in parliamentary law, that you have the force and effect of law. But it's not constitutional law. It's not statutory law. It's not anything like that. When they're talking about resolutions being law, it's in a different system of government uh, that we don't have here in the United States. So uh, with that, um, let's see. 
make sure I'm getting all my points here. Okay, I want you to look at um, now Florida state constitution. I did not see the analogous portion of this in the actual constitution, but if you look at the Michigan state constitution, even for those of you in Florida and in other states, uh, look at that Michigan constitution, article five, section two. What you will see is the specific provision for how executive orders and in what circumstances executive orders can become laws. It's very limited in scope. It's very limited in terms of there are, it's a specific procedure the governor must take in order to do it and what topic it's only allowed in certain, um, uh, the, the realm of the governor trying to reorganize the executive branch of government. That's it. It does not allow for controlling the public. It does not allow for her to say whether local uh, or, or um, you know, county or, or city or village governments are allowed to continue to function or if they have to be closed. It does not allow her to unilaterally close down uh, institutions of education, private and public. It does not allow her to invoke any kinds of other powers that are found in statute. Nothing, nil, no. And I argued this point in the Michigan Supreme Court in September of 2020. And it looks like I'll have to be arguing it again because voila, the issue is now being presented, dragged back into court by the Michigan Attorney General uh, in a different case. So uh, I do want to point that out to you that certain executive orders will have the force and effect of law, but that is so limited in scope and uh, in type and everything else that it really, it has no impact on your daily life uh, it, whatsoever. Also, Michigan state law does us a solid by defining for us in MCL 8.8, .8, what is a law? And um, number one, uh, or A, as it's written in the st state statute, it's a public act of the legislature. Okay, yeah, we understand that legislative power, good. Uh, B is an initiated law adopted by the people that is done through um, uh, a process that the Michigan State Constitution specifically allows. In fact, the Michigan State Constitution has been recognized as one of the most um, Oh, democratic in nature types of governments where, where we, the people, retained a ton of control and authority and direct power to change things such as the, the Constitution itself, uh, the laws of our state, uh, doing recalls and, and all kinds of other things. There's uh, various different tools. I believe it's eight different tools that are specifically identified in the Michigan State Constitution that very few states have that many in terms of direct uh, tools available to the general public uh, in terms of reigning in their government and changing things up. So um, anyway, an initiated law, that would be not what we did with the Restore Freedom Initiative petition, but that would be uh, the Unlock Michigan um, petition that was done in 2020, where they were uh, seeking to repeal the 1945 Emergency Powers of Governor Act, which ironically, the day they turned it in the signatures was also the day the Supreme Court uh, issued its decision that that very law was unconstitutional and can never be enforced again. Um, then this state law says that C, the third way uh, that something can be considered a law is 
there it is, an executive order of the governor submitted to the legislature pursuant to Article 5, Section 2 of the Michigan State Constitution and having the force of law. So those three things, those are the only ways. It doesn't say in here anything about administrative rules or procedures being laws. It doesn't say anything about cases. In fact, if you look up the actual term law, that's why I had the book open on that page. Well, it's gone now. But the Black's Law Dictionary kind of lets us, it lets us down to some degree. Uh, because when you're looking at what the def definition of a law is, it gives you, well, a lot. Okay, there's a lot of different definitions in here. It is the Black's Law Dictionary. But number two, it's talking about it in the general sense of the law of the land, like the wild, wild west. And it says the aggregate of legislation, uh, judicial precedents, and accepted legal principles. And I'm going to say, you know, that might be generally what people were viewing law as. But no, that's not actually what the law is. Um, and if you look at um, de the definition a little bit farther down, you see that it talks about the law is a statute, period. Congress passed a law, period. That is literally the, the dictionary, the true dictionary definition of what a law is, not just for discussionary purposes. So um, I think we were able to go over the main constitutional points today. It is hard for me not to go into full discussion on uh, uh, all that, you know, can be involved in these topics. But today was short just to be that recap of the actual constitutional provisions. So when someone is asking you, uh, well, why do you think that's not a law? Why do you think an executive order is not a law or a mandate's not a law? Tell me why. You're wrong. <laughs> whatever. Now you have the tools to be able to tell them what is a law and what is not and why. So executive orders, not laws, except in a rare situation pursuant to a state constitution. Uh, laws written by the legislature and, and gone through that proper process. Uh, the constitutions of uh, the U.S., that is the supreme law of the land, the constitutions of the states and of the counties and local governments, charters is what they're typically called, uh, those are considered the law of the land as well, and uh, your local ordinances, uh, but not resolutions, at least as it pertains to regulating the people. So hopefully that was uh, an informative recap for you. I invite you to join us every Thursday for the constitutional segment recap to help reinforce those pieces that we talk about in depth on Tuesdays at noon for our full weekly episode. And uh, you can join us tomorrow for our freedom fighting tools, a little bit of a discussion on what those are and why I'm suggesting you use them. Saturday will be our highlight on the Restore Freedom goodie of the week. And Sunday we will um, end or start the week, depending on how you view it, with our biblical value that is the basis for all the work that we would be doing uh, in our fight for freedom. So thank you so much for joining me here today. I hope you all have a wonderful afternoon. And it's saying that there are comments that it's not letting me scroll down to see who commented or what you're saying. So I apologize. I can't see who it is um, or what site it's coming from, if it's YouTube or whatnot. So anyway, thank you so much, everyone. Have a wonderful day.